This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello. How are you this week? Here at Sustainable-ish HQ, Switch Timber is in full swing and it's been great to see so many people engaging on social media and switching their energy supplier. Did you know that when you switch to a renewable energy tariff, you if you have 100% renewable electricity and carbon offset gas, you could save three and a half tonnes of carbon dioxide, which is the same as planting 1,770 trees and the same as taking two cars off the road. So some pretty impressive carbon savings to be had. And best of all, it could take less than 10 minutes and save you money. Check out this feedback from Connie, who said... I feel like I should do a little impression voice here, but I can't do impressions or different voices, so you're just going to have to go with mine. This is Connie. She said, we've just switched, saving over £300 a year compared to our previous supplier. It was incredibly simple, and I can't recommend it enough. So be like Connie. Join in with Switch Timber. It really is one of the simplest, easiest, highest impact things we can all do in the face of the climate crisis. Have you switched yet? If you haven't, you can bag yourself a free quote from Big Clean Switch or an energy comparison site that only compare renewable tariffs. So they've done the hard work and the research so you don't have to. Simply visit www.bigcleanswitch.org forward slash partners. Pick Sustainable-ish from the drop down, get your quote and switch. It really is that easy. And by using this link, which I'll also post in the show notes, it means that I can track the numbers for Switch Timber because I've set rather stupidly maybe a goal of a thousand switches, which is kind of terrifying me. And also Sustainable-ish gets a small commission to help with our running costs at no extra cost to you. Okay, so on with today's podcast and from one easy high impact individual action to another. One of the most powerful things we can do as individuals alongside switching our energy supply to a renewable one, is to make our voice heard, to share the changes that we're making and why, to let businesses and retailers know we want something different, whether that's in terms of their packaging, their supply chain, or a myriad of other things. And by asking our elected government representatives, our MPs, to take action for the planet. Now, I would never really describe myself as an activist. It all sounds somehow a bit too aggressive, a bit too shouty, a bit too placardy. That's not even a word. Uh, but there are lots of ways to be climate activists, even if you feel like more traditional forms of activists maybe aren't for you. Having said that, 
I popped my climate marching cherry earlier on this year at the Mother's Rise Up March in London and honestly, it was okay. And I would strongly urge everybody to think about joining in with the global climate strike on the 20th of September 2019 for anyone listening in the future. And I'll post a link to more info on that in the show notes. You can find your nearest March and also a link to episode 32 of this podcast, which is the Introvert's Guide to Climate Marches. Okay, so one of the ways to be a climate activist without having to leave the safety of your own house is to write to your MP, which I know feels like the dullest, most grown up thing ever. I've done it before. And to be quite honest, it felt a little bit like I should have saved the carbon footprint of posting the letter for all the good it felt like it did. So I was really pleased to chat to Steve at Power for People in this episode about one of the most effective ways we can get our MPs taking action on the climate crisis. Listen in to hear more about not only Power for People and their current campaign, which just happens to be about renewable energy, but to get top tips as well on how to communicate effectively with our MPs and increase our chances of getting meaningful action out of them. So grab your cuppa, settle down and listen in. P.S. Go and switch your supplier now. Take care. Enjoy. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Jen. Very well. Good. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Can you kick us off by introducing yourself? Sure. Um, So I'm Steve Shaw. I am the director um, of a relatively young uh, campaigning organisation that I founded two years ago called Power for People. Uh, We are... Um, a climate change campaigning organization, but we specifically run campaigns um, that are uh, to change laws or government policy in the UK. Um, At the moment, we're really focusing on renewable energy, particularly community scale renewable energy. Wow. So how did you get started with that then? Have you got a campaigning background? I do, yeah. So I um, I studied economics at university and then I went into the the city of London. I worked for a, a large consultancy in my first job. After 18 months, it really um, was clear to me that it was very much not what I wanted to do. And I decided that what was needed was drastic action. Um, and so I, um, I quit with, uh, with nothing to go to, but um, was uh, fortunate to volunteer uh, at Friends of the Earth's head office. Um, and I, through sheer luck, was put in the parliamentary team, um, which back then was a fearsome um, parliamentary and bill parliamentary bill campaigning uh, unit run by a man called Martin Williams Um, and I worked with them for a while um, ended up getting a job at Friends of the Earth learned a lot from Martin and then ended up meeting Martin's mentor who set up the parliamentary team at Friends of the Earth called Ron Bailey. Ron Bailey is the master of um, bill campaigns in the UK over 25 successful campaigns and I then worked with him for about 12 years so um, I learned a lot from both of them um, and then felt that it was time um, to set up my own organization that was doing this kind of thing because um, it's, uh, whilst it's an immensely effective way of campaigning, um, almost no one out there is doing it. Right. Okay. And what made you decide at the moment to focus on renewable energy? Um, so, climate change is the number one issue. Mm. Um, facing the entire planet um so it had to be that um then um looking at um 
of what's needed within that uh, because of the need not just to, to transform or to have all of our electricity coming from renewables um, in order to, to avert the climate catastrophe mm. um, that is unfolding, um, there's also the need to electrify all heat and transport. So it is by far the biggest single piece. It is by no means a silver bullet, but energy um, and getting, getting, getting energy all coming from renewables is by far the single biggest thing that needs to be done. And so that was my rationale behind um, choosing to focus on renewables. Okay. And when you say your focus is, um, did you say sort of policies and, and introducing bills? So that's where an MP will introduce a, a bill to Parliament that then gets voted on to introduce a policy. Is that correct? Exactly right. So, um, for example, when I um, first arrived um, as, a, uh, as, as a very young person at Friends of the Earth, they were campaigning um, on a bill that they had uh, written the first, the initial version of, um, that was called the Doorstep Recycling Bill. Um, and that was back in 2003. Um, they had got a backbench MP, um, Joan Ruddock, um, to introduce the bill. Um, and then they got lots of other MPs to support it. And the way they'd done that is they'd got all their supporters, which they have many thousands around the mm. country, um, to lobby their MP. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, that eventually saw that bill become law. But interestingly, that bill was a backbencher bill, a type of bill called um, a ballot bill. So it mm. wasn't a government bill. Almost all the bills that go into law each year are government bills. Um, but that is another method. So I was back at Friends of the Earth in 2008. Uh, where I worked again um, with their parliamentary team and Martin, um, who was heading the campaign for um, a much better known piece of piece of legislation called the Climate Change Act. Mm-hmm. But uh, early early two thousand eight, it was uh, it was a bill, um, and it was but that was a different method. That was to get the government to introduce it, uh, which they had done, and then it was to campaign to make sure that the government. Um, um, passed the passed an act that uh, was actually what was needed, um, but the method was the same. It was to mobilise the many thousands. It was actually, I think it was over. It would have been in the hundreds of thousands on that campaign. People across the country to lobby their MP to support the bill. When done effectively and in a coordinated fashion, um, yes, it, it works. It's remarkably effective, um, as as the Climate Change Act campaign shows. So, as someone who's very politically naive, I kind of had no idea that, that that was how it worked, that a charity or an organisation could come together and create this bill and then get an MP on board and that gets introduced and, uh, and as you say, then the, the sort of lobbying works to, to get other MPs on board. So presumably, if that's the case, on the flip side, there can be organisations like fossil fuel companies and things like that who are doing the very reverse. Um, it, yes, except that what those organisations can't do um, is mobilise um, the public. Yeah. That's not how they're structured. But uh, I guess they tend to, to um, take the, the wheels with money. Um, that, that's, that's a part of, of what they do. Um, and, you know, funding is channeled through to um, policy organisations that are uh-huh. and so on. And, um, you know, someone like George Monbiot, who writes in my opinion, excellent pieces in The Guardian, you know, uh-huh. this kind of thing at length. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating situation I have, whereby it's kind of like I have this sort of immensely powerful secret weapon that no one really knows about and understands. And I don't want it to be secret. Um, 
I would really like to see um, a lot more people understanding um, the, and having the knowledge that I have under yeah. Parliament the way I do um, and using um, the method, of, I call it grassroots mobilisation, um, to specifically get MPs supporting um, changes to legislation or it could be policy as well. You know, yeah. I mean, one of the campaigns that powerful people were running at the moment um, is to remove the planning rules block on uh, onshore wind energy in, in uh -huh. England, which caused an almost complete um, collapse in any new onshore wind project in England over the last, uh, least since 2015. Um, now that's that's a policy change. It doesn't actually require legislation. Um, so you know, it's 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 sometimes something the government can do quite quickly. But again, the method the method is is just so Im incredibly effective. And what you're also doing is your agenda setting. So a lot of a lot of campaigners and charities and so on, understandably, um, will go and complain about what the government is doing, mm -hmm. and they will respond to consultations, or they will criticise um, from the government plans to do um, whatever, or, or say the government, you know, um, shouldn't be shouldn't be passing the bill that they're planning to pass. Whereas when you set the agenda by saying, right, here's here's what we want, here's here's the problem. Here's how it can be fixed in terms of the government action needed. So, right, that needs a law. Right, well, we'll draft the law, draft which, as, which is drafting the bill, and then we'll get people to put pressure on MPs to support that. Puts the government much more on the back foot. It gives you a lot more control over what happens. Um, and I think it's also a lot more inspiring. I think individuals across the country, when they see something like this, it's very tangible. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And Wow, solution. Yeah, and I think people ask a lot about, you know, climate change and what we as individuals can do. And I think one of the most important things that we can do is, is to make our voices heard and to engage with our MPs and with big organisations and that sort of thing. But it can feel like a futile exercise when, you know, I've written to my MP a few times and I just get this very stock response, very kind of pat on the head and go away now, dear, type um, response but I guess from the sounds of what you're saying it's, it's getting everyone to engage their MP but around a very specific topic so that there's hundreds and thousands of you lobbying around the same issue and that's more powerful than just one person writing a, a letter. Exactly yes you see these things a lot don't you lists of um, what you can do to help the environment what you know the 12 things you can do to help stop climate change um, and it'll begin with something like um, you know I don't know what would it be these days well a lot of them now start with things like try to fly less or don't fly at all eat, eat less um, red meat mm -hmm. good things of course but the only way we are going to fix the problem is by the nation states taking action mm -hmm. they hold the power they hold they have the ability that's where the solution well that's where the decision to, to trigger the solutions lies yeah so what the best thing we can do by miles and miles and miles in terms of our personal action is to be politically active, to help campaigns that are specifically pushing the government, particularly, I mean, the UK, the UK government particularly, um, to take the actions needed. So, and again, I mean, the best example I could think of in the past was the Climate Change Act, um, the campaign that got that into law. Um, I mean, that that on its own, that act has resulted in almost every coal power station in the UK. So if you were if you were helping by lobbying your MP to support that bill back in 2008, then you then that action that you took 
uh, that then resulted in all those coal power stations closing and all the other fantastic policies we've had since then, all the massive offshore wind farms we've got, for mm -hmm. example. That action you took there was so much more effective than all the other excellent actions you took to do with, you know, what I don't know, driving less or whatever mm -hmm. else it might have been. Um, so always, always, always top of the list should be on those 12 things you can do to help, you know, stop climate change, etc. Um, should be to take political action. Okay. And George Monbiot, you mentioned him earlier, he wrote a piece, I think it was last year, where, or there was, maybe it was another piece in The Guardian about, you know, taking individual action is about as effective as kind of wafting a tea towel at a house fire and that actually we need to overthrow capitalism. And I, my response to that was kind of, well, that sounds great, but I've got no idea how to overthrow capitalism, you know, and I need to get back for the school run. And, um, and I, when you talk about lobbying your MP, that sounds quite uh, aggressive, isn't the word? But I think that can feel quite intimidating for a lot of people to think about actively sort of lobbying their MP. It sounds hard. It sounds out of our comfort zone. We have a funny culture, don't we? <laughs> um, a, 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 one that I, I would say is somewhat regretfully deferential uh -huh. to the authority um, and status in this way. Um, never forget that it is your your democratic right to lobby your MP mm -hmm. as much as you want. Um, they are your elected representative. They are your democratic servant. Mm -hmm. um, of course, always be polite um, and always be reasonable. That's that's crucial. And actually, um, it's 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 very important because of course someone who is who's rude or unreasonable that gives um, an an unreasonable MP and an unfair MP a reason to ignore mm -hmm. and also to to say things. Um, in public, like, oh, you know, how can I, how I can't engage with these people? Look how unreasonable and rude they are. So always be reasonable, but never, ever, ever give up. Um, and if ever you get a response, you know, along the lines of, you know, well, you, sorry, you, you know, stop me or, um, or I'm too busy or, yeah. um, so, you know, I've, I've already heard from you on this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, sorry, you know, you're my elected servant. And so I can I can continue to ask you to support this um, infinitely, um, and you <laughs> have to listen. Um, so I can understand why people are reluctant um, to really push their MP, though, because often MPs you know know much more about things like parliamentary process um, and government policy and what's going on, and they can quickly say things that sometimes sometimes they're being fair but other times they can say things that make um a person think a constituent think oh, okay well that's like maybe maybe that is okay mm -hmm. um but this is why i set up power people um it's it's so that i can communicate with and mobilize large numbers of people and help them lobby mps on the thing that they think is important which which if they agree is is our campaign mm -hmm. um i really wish that um, more uh, large organisations in the environmental movement were doing this, um, but at the moment um, they're not. Certainly not in the in the way in the sort of what I call the bill campaign way, um, which is this long-term arc campaign where you know you write a bill and then you mobilise your supporters. Um, something I've also noticed is that um, people respond very well when they're given um, support in lobbying their MP mm -hmm. um, and over time 
Uh, we developed you know, tools and methods um, on how to help people do that. Um, but broadly, what I've noticed is, so long as they've given clear instructions, people, are, people, are, people will keep having their own tools. Yeah. Um, and MPs will respond as well. Um, and I'd add one more thing to that, actually. One common, one of probably the, possibly the, one of the most common um, responses I'll get uh, from a supporter is, oh, look, my MP just, you know, has said no, they're totally not going to back this. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I always say is, it's still so, so, so important. In fact, possibly even more important for you to keep hassling your MP about that and keep pushing them to support it because that MP who may have been one who when it comes to the crunch to the end game in parliament on the campaign may have been the one who will block it might choose just to do nothing uh-huh yeah and there are some there is a, there is a small handful of MPs in parliament who are who are um who are very fiercely against things like well all forms of removable energy but um uh, campaigns of this nature of any kind no matter how much um, democratic pressure they might have behind them um, and ensuring that they are um, neutralized is is possible <laughs> that sounds like you're going to take them out <laughs> well the the if if they are i mean the only way to as you say take them out uh, <laughs> is is to have large amount a large amount of constituency pressure put on them yeah that's the democratic route and that's 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 fine Again, they're the elected servant of those individuals. So, yeah, you know, if 10,000 people um, hear about the fact that they're going to block a bill mm-hmm. and then they find themselves inundated with uh, messages from constituents and people wanting to meet them at their surgery um, who are constituents, then and they then decide, oh, OK, I think I won't block this particular yeah, yeah, yeah. campaign. That's good. That's yeah. democracy in action. So you said that people tend to respond very positively and very well when they have some quite specific instructions to to follow what are some of those specific tips and ideas that you can give us um uh well i mean uh, we always suggest points to make mm-hmm. um we always encourage people to actually compose their own messages yeah. um we uh, this is something that i don't see done very often um but we encourage people to share replies that they've had from MPs okay. with us, and we then suggest things they could say back. Now, oh, brilliant! We yeah, um, which is time intensive, but yeah, no, I, think, I think worth it. Now, this is not about putting words into the mouth of people uh-huh. or constituents. This is about where an MP, unfortunately, you know, some MPs will reply saying things like, oh, no, this won't work because it's a private member's bill that is, um, it, it takes the form of a presentation bill and so we'll receive no House of Commons time. <laughs> and, of course, the average person thinks, I don't know what that yeah. <laughs> um, but it sounds, But it sounds like technical reasoning. Yeah. So, oh, okay, my MP is saying no for a good reason. But actually, um, it may be, I mean, that example is a case, it's it actually, no, it, it doesn't matter. I'm asking you to support the bill. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's going to receive debate or not. I want you to support the bill. Right. Um, so, you know, suggesting a reply along the lines of, um, yes, this is fine, but uh, this particular form of bill um, is, is, yes, it will fall at the end of this parliamentary session, but then there's, um, there's the opportunity for it to be taken up in the next parliamentary session and then to explain to the individual, um, you know, the sessions are sure. uh, parliamentary years and how they work and so on. Um, and, and people love this stuff. Um, 
we ran a training session um, a few weeks ago, um, and it was amazing how as soon as I started to talk about the various ways Parliament worked, and it's people think, oh, it's so opaque and, and, and complex. It is opaque. It's not complex. It's actually pretty straightforward. You just need someone who wants to explain it. Um, people loved it. People lap it up. People want to know how it works. Yeah. They want to be involved in the campaign. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll explain these things to people. We'll suggest responses they can make. If they want to go and meet their MP, um, we will um, give them tips on what to say, uh, make sure they sort of feel as confident and ready beforehand, explain how it can go with an MP. Um, we've also run training on that. Um, and then we'll talk to them after so they feel sort of, you know, supported. And it can, yeah. I, I appreciate that it can be intimidating to engage either in writing or face-to-face with an MP. Yeah. And so, you know, we want to sort of get people as, as, as confident and prepared as possible. Yeah. Um, notice that with, you know, with modest, with modest encouragement um, and just those tools, yeah, pe- people do it and, and, and are fine uh, feel, and feel empowered after the, after the experience. Mm, yeah. I think, I guess the temptation for lots of us when we're thinking about engaging with our MP or, you know, especially if we've got, I live in a, a Tory constituency with a very safe Tory seat, you know, and he seems like he doesn't give a monkeys. And, and I find that incredibly frustrating. And there's that part of me that wants to run up and, you know, shake him by the collar and say, why the hell aren't you doing more? And, and these things, but actually being antagonistic and aggressive towards them, I guess, is the, is the least helpful thing you can do. It's about trying to develop a, a meaningful relationship with them. Ideally, it is about developing a meaningful relationship. Um, but as a as a base principle, um, to being polite and being reasonable is mm-hmm. where you you should always be. Yeah. Um, and then after that, just just continuing to continuing to reply or to yeah. change. Um, it, it yeah, it it can be very very effective on its own. Um, it may be that um, you don't really have a great relationship mm-hmm. uh, in that the MP doesn't really want to hear from you because <laughs> you keep saying you want them to support a particular thing. Yeah. But that's okay. That's, yeah. that's actually a good thing. Um, I've heard people say they've been blocked on Twitter by their MPs and all those sorts of things. And they don't come across to me as particularly unreasonable people. It sounds like they are just persistently questioning them on their decisions and things like that. Is that sort of normal practice or? Um, I, I don't actually know. That's actually the first time I've heard of that. Really? Uh, that doesn't, I mean, if I couldn't, I obviously couldn't say unless I saw the specific, yeah. specific case, but um, I mean, yes, if someone is being reasonable and, and polite, then I, I can't see why it would be right for an MP to block someone. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Twitter is only one, you know, yes. communication. Um, there's nothing more powerful than a letter. Still. Okay. In fact, letters are more powerful now than they ever were because few of them are sent. So um, a proper either handwritten or typed letter over and above an email, over and above social media. Sure. But emails are good too, so long as they're, so long as you compose it yourself. Okay. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, we now see a lot of, um, of, of essentially template emails going out from different organizations and i think that's a shame um although i think this that day is partly passing as well because you know <laughs> people are getting campaigns getting wise to um you know to, to the fact that that is getting less and less effective 
Um, so do MPs, you know, by and large, well. ignore them if they're just, you know, if, if I see a petition doing the rounds or I see a, a campaign by um, Greenpeace or Friends of the Earth, then it, you know, click here to send to your MP. Is that, by and large, not a hugely useful thing to do? Um, it depends. It depends on the MP. Each, each, I mean, they're all different. There's, there's no sort of standard way that an MP conducts their affairs and conducts their kind of office and their team. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it does kind of, yeah, it depends. Um, but, but again, broadly, I mean, this is why, this is partly why we, our people, we do what we do is, you know, we can send out a general request to take action, which might yeah. be, for example, please write to him. At the moment, the bill that we're campaigning on is called the local electricity bill, which would promote, um, community energy and really yeah. open up the, the market um, in terms of um, at the moment, which is terrible, uh, the community energy and have a lot more small-scale renewables. Mm-hmm. So we're asking MPs to support that. So we send out a general message to people. Please write to your MP asking them to support the bill. Very simple. It can literally be one line. Yeah. Um, but then then we start becoming more um, specific and customised depending on what comes back. You know, so some constituents, some sorry, some supporters write back to us saying, here's the response I've had. And that's when we might suggest certain replies. Others yeah. you know, say, oh, I want to go and meet my MP. So we help them with that. Um, it takes time sure. um, and resource, but it's so effective. Yeah. Um, just to get back to what you're saying about, you know, what about, is there sort of some kind of scale, emails, letters, yeah. you know, and that sort of thing? There's no science to this. Yeah. Any, any effort you take to, to, to ask your MP to support something, um, I would say is a good thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I would never want to put off anyone doing that. But the more effort you can make, the more likely you are to have an effect. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, if, the email, if, if the email, if the tweet hasn't worked, send an email. And mm-hmm. if the email hasn't worked, yeah, get, get that piece of paper out. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um, think about what happens when the post arrives in comparison to what happens when an email arrives yeah. yourself. Yeah. Very different experience. Uh, so, yeah, it's the same for an MP's office. You know, the post still has more, more punch yeah. than anything else. And it sounds very much like what you're saying is that the most effective way or the way we can get almost the most return on our investment of our time and energy is to get behind a specific campaign rather than just writing to our MP and saying, I would love it if you took more action on climate change. If the more specific you can be about what you want them to do... Yeah, so look at the look at the evidence. Um, I would I'd, I'd mention two uh, examples. One, the Doorstep Recycling Act, which was that first campaign I worked on back in two thousand and three at Friends of the Earth. Um, that set up the doorstep collection across the country. Um, so an incredible, strong, tangible effect. And then second example, the Climate Change Act, um, that has resulted in very um, significant reduction in fossil fuel generation in the UK, so the closure of most most of the coal power stations, Uh, plus the the government policies that have led to a huge increase in renewables, by no means enough renewables, but nevertheless, you know, a very big tangible effect. So yes, you are absolutely right. The best thing a person can do is to to find a campaign um, like the one that Power for People is running, (laughs) um, and to write to their MP and push their MP to support that particular thing. The more specific, the better. That's why we we actually campaign for bills in particular, because there's nothing better if you're you're contacting your MP 
than to ask them to support something specific that is actually in Parliament. Yeah, and that can have a tangible result, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, I came across a statistic, or there was a study, I think, a couple of years ago that showed that the reason that MPs or one of the reasons MPs don't engage more with climate change is that they don't feel like it's an issue for their constituents. So is thinking about that, is there a value in just more broadly writing and saying, I'm concerned about climate change, I want to know what, what you've been doing on it, um, and then maybe following that up with specific requests to, um, to sort of support specific bills? I think that's really, really valuable. Um... I think, yeah, I mean, given the climate crisis, that is, um, I wouldn't usually say to sort of general, general push an MP on a general issue, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, given this, um, yeah, I think it's important. Um, but then you don't, it, it, it can be one message. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what I would ask anyone to do is, is the message starts with, I am really concerned about um, what's happening to the climate. And then to go on to something specific. Yeah. And I've heard about um, the campaign for the local electricity bill. Sure. Seems like a practical solution, something that would help. Um, I'd really like if you support it. And then you can end it with something like, you know, I know there's lots of other other things you could do on this too. So I really hope, you know, you support mm. those things too. And I'll be in touch about those things. Yeah. Yours sincerely. And do you ever, would it be feasible or likely that your MP might not even be aware of that bill so sometimes would you say I'd love you to support this bill you can find more information about it here or whatever is is it is it likely that they might not even know about it um it's likely that the MP won't um but that doesn't really matter okay um because um because we're running a campaign they're getting material and requests from um, from us directly. Oh, okay. And their staff will be getting those. Um, so we don't have to feel like we need all the facts and figures and on hand because you guys are supplying that and we're literally just asking them to support it. That's a really good one, yes. Um, it's very important not to ever think, I need to be the expert in this. Yeah. I need to be all read up and brushed up in case I get any kind of, you know, response that I don't know the answer to yes because that's, um, you know, that's I think that's one of the things that puts a lot of us off is just thinking well I, I don't feel qualified enough to ask to meet them or to to send a letter asking about this um it, it, that should never hold you back I mean you of course every I mean I would people should make their own judgments mm. um, it's my responsibility in leading power for people to make it very clear and convincing um, to everyone um, that our campaigns are going to be beneficial mm-hmm. uh, and to explain what they're going to do um, if they succeed. Um, so I'm obviously, I obviously need to explain t- to a degree to get people to say, oh, okay, right, that sounds good. If that was law, that sounds good. So I'll yeah. write to my MP. But there's no need, there's no need to understand the intricacies. Cool. Uh, I mean, we have got briefings and anyone who wants to can. And it, <laughs> I mean, indeed, MPs who are back, there's 110 MPs backing the bill at the moment. Um, they don't know the intricate details. Okay. That's okay. The role of an MP is to be briefed um, by their staff um, and then to make decisions accordingly. And that's, that's what's happening. So um, the other thing as well I would, I would say is 
at earlier stages in a campaign, so we're at a relatively early stage with the local electricity bill, what an MP is is supporting if they say to a constituent, yes, all right, I've, I've signed the bill, I'll put my name to it, is the principle. It's not really the exact detail because as, right. a, bill, as a bill progresses through Parliament, it can be amended, yeah. scrutinised, and that that's a good thing. That's a good part of our parliamentary democracy. It gets abused sometimes, um, maybe too often, but... <laughs> Um, but there are other times, and I've seen this in action on, on ca- successful campaigns I've worked on, where the scrutiny is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, that really gets, you know, that's not a story. So yeah. I've talked about the media. But there are, a lot, there are lots of elements of, of our parliamentary democracy that, you know, are, are rational and reasonable and good. Um, so, um, but yeah, to go, back to, your, to go back to your point, yes, you do not need to be an expert. Um, and I think it is the responsibility of a campaigning organisation mm-hmm that's asking people to write to their MPs um, to be able to explain, make them feel confident in writing, have all the information there if they want, um, but um, yeah, primarily just just inspire them to take the action. Yeah, and you said that there's 110 MPs at the moment behind the bill that you're proposing. How many MPs, obviously the more the merrier, but is there a minimum number you need in order for a bill to progress? Oh, this is another another very common question. What's the trigger, <laughs> what's the trigger number? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in theory, or technically, there is a trigger number. Um, there are 650 MPs, mm-hmm. although the Sinn Féin don't take the seats, but let's just forget that for a second. Um, so there's 650. So technically, if you've got 326 backing yeah. something, then whenever there's a vote in the House of Commons, on your campaign, on your mm-hmm. bill, then so long as every single MP who's supporting it turns up and votes, well, you'll win. And yeah. you'll always get it through and you'll get it through and it'll become law. Um, it has to go to the House of Lords as well, of course, but again, let's just keep it simple. Yeah. Um, but the true answer is no, not really. Okay. Uh, because, and it is what you said, it is the more the merrier. Um, it depends on how things go. Um, some campaigns I've worked on it's got to the point where you've got 400 or more backbencher MPs yeah. supporting a bill, and that and that's the point where it succeeds. Yeah. Others, um, it's been a case of um, you know the opposition parties all eventually coming on board in support, which has led to the government coming on board in support, and then that has led to success. Even oh, okay. if the actual MP number on backing a bill um, isn't isn't even at half of all the MPs. Although, usually, as a rule of thumb, usually you need to you need to get over half. Okay, so at 110, you're thinking there's still quite a bit of work to do. Oh, here. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this, this is early doors. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I mean, the form of the, the bill at the moment is is one. It's a it's one side um, of of a four. Um, I mean, it's. Did all, I always think these things would be reams and reams of paper? That's quite exciting. It's just. <laughs> um, it will if you know if. And when the campaign succeeds and the bill becomes law, it won't be one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the co- but it, the core elements of it are there on that one side. Which it's like is- having your CV to give to someone. If it's one side, they're more likely to read it. A little bit, yeah. It's a little <laughs> bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Because as I say, at the, at the early stage, it's the principle. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, what 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 the bill says um, is very much, um, you know, there coded and concrete. Um, it's about setting up a duty. Um, to, as I say, reform the energy markets so that, um, well, it's actually so that you can sell 
renewable <laughs> electricity to local people directly. Yeah. That would, that would that would create a huge opportunity for community scale renewables across the country. Um, and it would see an enormous increase. Just in, It's a bit like an analogy I use is um, it's a bit like what happened with local brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You just had this, you just had this, expo- you've had this amazing explosion um, of, you know, wonderful local beers, ales all across the country, um, largely because of the ability to set up your own smaller scale operation. Yeah. So locally, fantastic. You can't do that with renewable electricity at the moment. And you need to be able to in order for that to happen. So that's okay. So at the moment, everything, whether regardless of where it's produced, gets put into the national grid. And what you're talking about is creating these small local networks with like battery power and things like that. Is that right? No, it would still go into the grid. Okay. Um, but that's okay. You can still you could still have. It's possible to have local customers yeah. to, to local to where the energy is generated mm-hmm. even using the grid. Um, but in the same way as, you know, you, you, we, we pay these big national suppliers um, for our energy. Um, but, you know, they, some of them don't even have, I mean, some of them are just middle, uh, middle, middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't own the generation. Um, it's a, it's so that what essentially is happening with energy is the phys- what physically happens is not directly matching the market. And yeah. that, but that's okay. Um, so the thing, yeah, what is needed is, um, is, as, well, what the bill says um, is a duty on the regulator to basically make the costs of selling locally proportionate. Because at the moment, the only cost-effective thing to do is to be a national provider. Right. That's oh, okay. Why, yeah. That's why we've all got these. You know, we've all got the. I mean, the, the big, the big six. Yeah. Currently dominate the market because it's it's a nationally based system. Um, the, the analogy I've given to MPs, um, which they like very much, is it. <laughs> It's a bit like it's a bit like saying, um, I'd like to um, I'd like to bake cupcakes, and I'd like to to distribute my cupcakes to like the local um, cafes mm-hmm. in the town where I live, and maybe to the town nearby. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to need you know I'm going to need to set that set that up. I'll need a van, maybe even two vans if I start doing well. And I think I can make a viable business out of this. I think it could go well. I need a loan to get it going. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll crowdfund it from local people because they think what I'm doing is great. Maybe I'll get it from a bank. It doesn't matter. I need I need to get some finance. But, you know, I can get that finance because it's a reasonable operation. It all makes yeah. What would completely scupper the whole idea is if when I went to buy the two vans, I was told by the government, oh, yeah, um, you need to pay um, three million pounds towards the national road network. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, I would never say, well, but hang on, I'm only having two vans. I mean, I'm only going to drive like yeah. around the town and to the town next door. Um, Sorry, no, that's the rule. That's the rule. That's it. I would say, well, obviously I can't make it work, so it's not yeah. going to happen. That's the situation we have with the local supply of, of electricity in the UK. Ah. The, the costs of setting up and operating are, are literally in the millions. Yeah. So even though it is actually, there's, no, there's nothing that legally prevents you from, as a community, um, or even maybe as a little business, setting up some, some generation and then actually selling it directly to local customers, there's just no incentive to do it because the costs are are so huge. It just makes no financial sense whatsoever. Yeah. If we if we could make those costs proportionate, as in you know, take go back to my example by buying my two vans to drive the cupcakes around, I'm yeah. obviously paying the road tax on those vans. So I'm, it's a proportionate cost. Mm, mm. Two vans. If I set myself up as a national cupcake company and had a fleet of a thousand vans, then I'd pay a lot more money. Mm, that's, mm. that's fine. So what what's needed is 
the costs of selling electricity to customers to be proportioned to the scale of, of whatever is generating the electricity. So yeah. you know, the community sets up a little um, hydro scheme, for example, in the river where they are, um, and they want to say, hey, let's send, let's sell this electricity to the people in the town. That needs to be proportionate. I mean, sure, they're going to be using a bit of the grid, and yeah, there's some costs, but it just should just be proportionate. Yeah. Very straightforward concept, and that's the concept that's laid out in the bill now. Even though it's only one page, it's clearly there. And yeah. so MPs can, I mean, I always send a briefings as well, so they, you know, and explanations, but um, MPs can see that. Yeah. Um, and so when they're signing, when they've supported the bill, the 110 that we have at the moment, you know, they understand what they're supporting. Mm-hmm. The exact detail will quite likely change because, you know, there's, there's complexity around it, but, um, yeah. but it's the thrust of it that matters. Okay. If we write to RMP, if they just get one letter from one constituent, they may or may not pay much attention to that. But if they get a hundred letters or a thousand letters from their constituents, it starts to become more of a, an issue that they're going to act on, I would imagine. So yes. in order to amplify our one letter, presumably if we then encourage our friends, family, organisations we're part of or whatever to, to also get behind that campaign, that would be a helpful thing to do. Yes, and that is always the other thing that we ask people to do, to please, please, please um, encourage anyone you know who might be interested to sign up as well. Yeah. You know, the only way these campaigns can succeed is you literally tens of thousands, minimum, um, yeah. people on board. Um, I mean, it, it was oh, it was well over a quarter of a million um, on the uh, supporter list at, um, for the for the climate change bill campaign, and then there was a coalition of, of lots of other big um, NGOs and charities. So you know, all their list. I mean, RSPB were helping, and they had four million people on the WR. You know, I mean, yeah, it was yeah, but you know, scale gets you results. So, um, but yeah, everyone everyone needs to get on board, and then everyone needs to spread the word. Yeah, I think obviously one of the reasons I guess that it feels or it is genuinely much easier to just click on a as you say a general campaign that's just like click to send this letter to your MP but the fact that you've said it can just be one line or two lines you know I'm really concerned about climate change I would love to uh, I think this bill would be a really positive step forward I would love to have your support on it please you know let me know your thoughts that feels much more doable than having to sit down and, and write a you know two sides of A4 about why this do you know what I mean that just feels much more accessible yeah yeah um well all I would say on that is please do whatever you can yeah but when it comes to the climate crisis we and this is the scientists not you know this isn't my opinion yeah we are talking about um a threat to uh, a very real threat to well all life on earth mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, total collapse of human civilization, possibly the annihilation of civilization, possibly, possibly the annihilation of of humans. Yeah. So just bear that in mind when you're thinking, oh, maybe. <laughs> just keep that in the back of your mind. Let's just, let's, <laughs> yeah. Let's just take the extra, however, yes. to, to to just like compose the compose even just the email, just to compose the email. Yeah, definitely. And, so on that note, how do you personally stay positive? Because as somebody working in the environmental sector and working on the climate catastrophe, it's, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there and there's a lot of very depressing news coming out with alarming regularity. Have, how do you personally stay positive? Um, like Greta Thunberg says, when 
you take action, hope is everywhere. Yeah, that um, love that quote. Yeah. Um, I I would go totally crazy if I if I didn't do what I did. Yeah. I couldn't do anything else. Um, I actually think I'm lucky that I can do what I do. Um, and so I understand people who are, um, you know, going, they've got the daily struggle and then they've got this existential issue as well, which they're, mm. they're understandably worried about and upset about. Um, it's a huge challenge we're, we're all facing. Um, and I think we're all beginning to understand better just how difficult it is. Mm. Um, but take action. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, I think that's one of the number one ways to stay positive. Um, tell people about it as well. You know, tell people how you're feeling. It's yeah. only been in recent years when I've noticed there's a genuine um, kind of opening up um, from a lot of people I speak with. Um, I'm, I'm possibly not the best person to ask because <laughs> I'm so lucky that I can work on this every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good resources out there. I think it's, you know, a quick search online and you would find, you will find things, positive things. Yeah. Um, uh, there's one organization, organization that, uh, I'm surprised I haven't mentioned up till now, um, which I think it's worth getting involved with if you want, if you want to, if you want to sort of dispel depression. Yeah. Extinction Rebellion. Yes. I do like what they're doing. Um, they have shifted the baseline quickly and powerfully um and um they i like their their sort of mixed uh, approach of being um about love and support but also um fear and and anger about mm-hmm. the destruction that's happening so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'd i'd suggest uh, of, as well as of course signing up to power for people yes um, yeah. you know, we all get the hard policies and legislation done yeah but, um, what Extinction Rebellion are doing is fantastic and they have local groups springing up everywhere. 200 now. It's just incredible. We just Wow. And oh. I wanted to ask you that as well, like with the, the youth climate strikes and the Extinction Rebellion action, which, this is possibly an unfair question, which has more power for an MP? Seeing that kind of mass action take place on the streets of London and, and people mobilised to go on marches and things, or the sort of influx of letters asking them to support a bill. I guess both hand in hand, ideally, but it's you know it's not an either or thing. But do you have you got any thoughts on how those two work together? Well, you've answered the question for me. <laughs> it is not an or. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean, I'm on the street when when the actions happen, and I'm in the office um, the rest of the time. Yeah. So you can you can join the marches and you can join the strikes. Um, and you can you can write to your MP and visit yeah. your MP. Um, please do both. Both are needed. Okay. Um, and both are valuable. And once we've, you know, if we engage with our MP and they say yes, I'm going to support this bill, slightly cynically, how do we know that they followed through on that? How do we check that they've actually supported it? Um, we'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> Yep, we will. We've got. That's that's why that's why it's important to sign up. Okay. Um, so we can keep you informed of what's happening. Um, we'll all that kind of thing. will let you know. And of course, if, you know any any questions, you know we always we always respond to any questions from supporters about their MP or the campaign or anything. Okay. Um, but we, I mean, 
we've, we've at the moment we, it's just a very simple list we've published which is the MPs who have supported the bill right um, but uh, if there was ever um, things like uh, if there was a vote um, and we, it, it will get to a point where there will be potentially votes mm-hmm. um, we will obviously list MPs that you know voted for it um, and we will list the ones that voted against it um, hopefully there won't be any of those yeah um, so yeah we'll 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 keep you informed and um, what's you the can... time frame on a on a campaign so you you said you're early doors at the moment how long again how long is a piece of string i guess but how long would you anticipate a, an average campaign taking to to sort of be passed as a bill um the big bill campaigns that i've mentioned that have been successful like the doorstep recycling act and the climate change act they were about 3 years wow yeah um but we're already a year in yeah. Just one for the local electricity bill. Um, so um, it's a marathon, well, not a sprint. <laughs> well, you know, go back and go back in time and talk to the abolitionists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ask them how long they were working on it. Um, <laughs> you know, talk to the talk to the suffragists and ask how long they they were working. It's um, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, big big stuff. Um, it's very very difficult to get it achieved. Very mm. very quickly. Um, but um, my, my, my plan, and as you say, how long is a piece of string, but my current plan is um, we would see the local electricity bill introduced um, in the session. And again, it's a bit tricky because parliamentary sessions are now not in there. Because of, the, because of the long session we currently have, which has been going since the snap election in 2017, um, when things happen is unpredictable, so it's even harder to make exact plans. Okay. My plan is that um, sometime later next year, we would see the local electricity bill introduced as as a as a form of a, as a form of bill that has a a real fighting chance to actually go through the common law. Yeah. Um, and that that type of bill is is known as a, a ballot bill. Um, it's a type of backbencher bill. But there is also the possibility that um, government might just take it up and take put it through as a government bill. Either okay. way, either way, yeah. get success. So yeah, that, so I suppose then that's looking at you know potential legislation being made um, in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's sounds like there's loads of support available from Power for People around this campaign. How can people find out about other specific campaigns that are going on and other organisations that work in a similar way? Um, well, um, a quick search, I mean, a quick, quick online search for the big environmental NGOs, mm-hmm. have a look at their campaigns, decide if you like them, um, and, you know, do, do the actions that they suggest. Okay. Um, you know, you, all you big environmental NGOs, like, you know, Greenpeace, Friends of the Earth, WWF, they're all obviously doing things on this, but there's smaller ones too. Um, and apologies to those who I haven't, you know, mentioned there's, there's, um, but again, I, the only one I'd, I'd, I'd mention particularly again is Extinction Rebellion, um, sure. being involved with them. Um, yeah. I, think, I think that's the, uh, yeah. I think that's, oh, and one other organisation I would specifically mention, because um, uh, we're working in partnership with them, is uh, 1010 Climate Action, um, who I think do great work. They're doing a lot around onshore wind at the moment, aren't they? Yes, together with us, we are, we are jointly campaigning on removing the, um, the, the, the policy blocks that are currently preventing new onshore wind developments. Okay, fab. So where can um, people come and find Powerful People online and get in touch with you? 
please come to our website, which is powerforpeople.org.uk. And that's just all letters for powerforpeople.org.uk and sign up and uh, we'll let you know what you can do. Fab, awesome. And are you on social media at all? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. We've got Twitter uh, feed and um, Facebook page. Soon to be on Instagram, soon to have a YouTube channel. Yep, and we're quite a young organisation, so, you know, we're gradually getting going. I've I've just expanded from one staff, me, to three. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, exciting times. Yep. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. I'll put all those links on the show notes so people can come and find you. Um, But, yeah, thank you so much for um, demystifying, I think, some of the... um, concerns or whatever that people might have about engaging with their MP and making it feel personally I think if you've made it feel much more doable and I feel much more empowered to go and um, rattle off a letter this afternoon thanks Jen well if you want me to have a little look over it for you and you know make any suggestions then brilliant oh thanks so much all right you've been listening to sustainable ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me Jen Gale Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Listener.